grateful to be out here. I am so happy to be here. So excited to be here. I get such energy uh, when I just see the stage popping and being here with my friends and family. This is such a beautiful community. So much appreciated. And uh, that kind of ties into what I talk about, which is relationships. And you heard it before uh, with Danelle talking about relationships and relationship building. And it's oftentimes a topic on here because it's so powerful relationships are so powerful in every sense of the word and they are essential in order to build your business build your life uh, make sure that you are optimized in terms of your happiness in terms of your potential but I also want to talk about the fact that not everybody has that support system one in four people have zero friends and it's something that I talk about often because I experienced it. And I want to take you back to when I was a young child and the impact that it had on me. And so there I was, I was about eight, nine years old, and I was not the kid that always had people around. I was the kid who was sitting on the playground watching everybody else play while I was in the corner. I was the one who, instead of having people to connect with, I was hanging out in the library anytime there was free time because it felt safer to me. By the fifth grade, I was eating lunch with my teacher. And I had no friends, not a single person to connect with, not a single soul to rely on, not a soul to talk about the joys of my, my life, the sadnesses that happened that only a nine or 10 year old had. And I remember so clearly in the sixth grade, which is ironic because my daughter is now in the sixth grade, so I am able to go back and transport myself so quickly to that stage in my life. And there I was with no friends and a transfer student arrives. And I could not have been more excited to have this transfer student come into my school because it was a potential friend. All of a sudden, I had the potential to make a connection. And I didn't care how weird she was. And she did not know how ostracized I was at that point. And so I basically went full on caveman with this person and said, this is now my friend. You have no choice in the matter. I'm going to make you love me. And she did for a moment. And she invited me over for a sleepover. And I don't know if anyone has been a 12-year-old girl in this room. Brad, I, I'm pretty sure you have not. Uh, <laughs> but as a 12-year-old girl, who had not had a sleepover in so many years, it was the most exciting thing in the world to be invited over to her home. And so I show up on her doorstep and I have my caboodle in tow, filled with blue eyeshadows, ready for this most amazing experience of being able to connect with someone. And she answers the door and my stomach drops into my feet because she's holding an enormous hairy cat. And I am not just allergic to cats. I am deathly allergic. I'm not talking runny nose allergic. I'm not talking watery eyes allergic. I am dying allergic to cats. Like can't breathe allergic. But I push that down. I push it down because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there is nothing that is going to get in the way of this budding friendship. And I'm gonna defeat biology in order to make this connection. And so I went inside and then she tells me, listen, it's really important for Blueberry to bond with my friends. And I thought, okay, all right, next up, I can do this. And I'm sitting on the bed and I have Warren's cherry pie playing in the background. So I'm just dating myself right there. And we're putting out the blue eyeshadows and the cat decides to jump in my lap. 
because that's what every animal does when they know that someone's allergic to them or can't pet them or doesn't want to pet them. They get as close to you as possible. And so the cat jumps in my lap and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm still alive. This is a win. This is an absolute win until all of a sudden I can see it happening in slow motion. I'm sitting there on the bed. Blueberry stares at me and all of a sudden he is coming at me, mouth that's stretched, tongue hanging out and begins to lick up one side of the face and down the other. And I knew at that point that I was gonna lose. There's only so much biology that you can fight. And within moments, my face starts to tingle and stretch and I can feel the hives coming. And five minutes later, I look like Swamp Thing's child. My parents are called and that friendship ended. And the reason why I share this story, and I share that story in my book too, because people need to understand how important friendship and connection is. I was willing to risk my life, my health in that situation to make a connection with someone. I was willing to put myself into a position where I was not going to be healthy and happy because I needed that connection. We as human beings are wired for that. We are wired. Our brains are ginormous compared to our bodies. And so a lot of anthropologists have studied this and found that that is because we are wired to- Thanks for passing over to me, Patricia, just to introduce everyone to me briefly. Uh, my name's Dre Baldwin, former nine-year pro athlete, uh, author of 29 books. Uh, my newest one's called The Third Day, the decision separates the pros from the amateurs. And what I wanna talk about here today will actually go perfectly with the interview that uh, Patricia just did with Rachel uh, based on her new book. This topic here today is about building a brand around you. Now, I know there are a lot of brand uh, owners who are here in the room and especially up on the stage, and a lot of people who are in the process of building their brand. So what I'm going to lay out here today is it's a simple three-step framework that all of us need to keep in mind as we are not only building our brands, but also sharing our brands and putting our brands out there into the world to make sure that we are uh, staying true to what we need to do as far as how our brands go and making sure we get our brands out there to the people who need it. So as I'm talking here, Patricia, if anyone has a question, you could just uh, cut me off or somebody flashes their mic, cut me off. Or if you have a question, you can just interrupt me and ask it so I don't miss it. So I can just go, I'll just go straight through my material unless, until unless I hear from you. So yeah, I first love of all, cutting you off, so no problem. No, so you just did it. So we already, we already are in sync. <laughs> so <laughs> first let's get clear on what a brand is. And the whole concept of branding comes from back on the, the farming days is when a, let's say Farmer Jones would take a branding iron and brand his initials or his name or his logo into of his cattle. Just so just in case uh, Farmer Jones's cattle escaped from the farm and went on to somebody else's farm, anyone can see the brand on the hide of that cattle and know that that belonged to Farmer Jones and hopefully return him his cow. And how that relates to the branding that we do now is that we're not using branding irons and putting our logos on people's asses. But what we are doing is taking our message and our idea and what we're about, and we are burning it into the minds of the consumer, burning it into the minds of the audience. So the way that we do this is to follow these three steps that I'm gonna share with you here today. And this is, the this is the things that we need to do as the person who owns the brand so that the audience 
to get the message and hopefully remember it and connect us to the topic and connect the topic to us. Hopefully we get both. Point number one, step number one is for any of us to build a brand, you have to live out your message. Whatever your brand is going to be about, whatever you are bringing to the table, you need to be representing that thing. And it shouldn't be something that you even have to think about. You shouldn't have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be the connected person. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be the person who helps people write books. Or I'm supposed to be the, the mental toughness mindset person. I'm supposed to be the sales guy. This should be your brand should be connected, ideally, to something that you really are about to the point that it kind of should come natural to you. It's something that you already care about. You're already living it. You're already talking about it on a regular basis. It just so happens that you're creating materials, whether that's free content, things that you sell, products, services, offerings, that you're able to make money from it at the same time, but you're already about it. That's, this is what I mean when I say living your message or your message becomes what you live, if you even want to look at it that way. Something you are already about and now you just find a way to make money from it. And one of the things that I tell uh, my audience and anyone who listens to me on the topic of branding all the time is that the number one thing that people crave from every brand these days is we want authenticity, especially over the last couple of years Everyone has gotten really good at seeing through the BS. We can tell when someone is just saying something because somebody paid them to say it or they're saying something because they think they have to say it as opposed to they're saying something because they actually believe it. The people who are authentic in their brands are the people whose brands stick the most in the minds of other people. And being authentic in your brand may sometimes mean you saying something that might push some people away from your message, might push some people out of your audience, but that's okay. I call that rejection marketing. We have attraction marketing. There's also rejection marketing. Sometimes you may have to reject some people out of line in order to bring more people into the line. But every one person you reject, there may be three, four, or ten people you bring in. But that's part of your authenticity because not everybody's the same way. We don't all have these same opinions, and we shouldn't. That's the 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 flavor of life is not not everybody is exactly the same. So when you share your authentic message and share who you are authentically, some people are going to say, you know what, that's not for me. That's not my flavor. That's not my not my speed. But other people are going to say, well, I'm glad somebody had the balls to say it. You know what? Now I'm all in on this individual. But you have to have the the courage to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, as I like to say, so that people do know who you are and what you're about, and they can make a decision where they're going to be in or out on you. People want to see that whatever you talk about, whatever you sell, and whatever you promote, you really are about that. That is something that you really live, even when there's no money to be made from it, even when there's no cameras watching, even when there's no no content that you can create based on it. Now, this sounds like a simple enough idea, but I make this the first point because there are so many people out there who are not doing it. So in other words, what I'm telling you here in point one is eat your own dog food and be patient zero for your work. So whatever you're about, like, for example, my background and my company, Work On Your Game, is all about taking the mental tools to help you get to the top 1% in the sports world and applying those same tools to the business world and into everyday life. This is the kind of stuff that I talk about and I was talking about even before I knew there was a such thing as professional speaking or before I knew that self-publishing was a thing, or before, definitely before a clubhouse, before we were even using phrases like social media, personal branding, or content, I was talking about these things to basketball players. As athletes were asking me about my mindset and how I was able to leverage it to play sports. So then when the opportunity came and I saw that there were people who were non-athletes who were really 
the message was really resonating with them. That's when I started to look into you know, all these things that all of us do, these people on the stage that we do here today, is you know, the speaking and the coaching and the thought leadership and intellectual property. I wasn't aware of this stuff, but I was already talking about these things. So in other words, I was eating my own dog food before I was selling my dog food to anybody else. And I don't know if any of you remember from back in the 90s, there used to be these TV commercials that came on all the time for this company called The Hair Club for Men. And it was about uh, men who were losing their hair, and it was in this little rectangular box. They would sell this product to help men, I guess, get their confidence back and feel better with their hair. And at the end of every one of those commercials, the man would always say the same thing. I'm not only the hair club president, but I'm also a client. And you need to be the exact same way when it comes to your material. Be the president of what you sell, but you also need to be a client of what you sell, meaning you are living the thing that you are talking about. Don't sell anybody anything that you aren't doing yourself. Second point, and we're talking building a brand around you, is crafting your signature subject, message, topic, or area of focus. You want something that you can own, something that when people mention that thing, they think about you, or when they think about you, they mention that thing. So you take someone like Rachel, who was just up here, she is going to be known for that being relatable. That's her, her book is about being relatable. You take someone like Grant Cardone, he has 10x. Uh, someone like uh, John Lee Dumas has learning and focus. Brene Brown has being daring and being brave via embracing your imperfections. Dre Baldwin has work on your game. The secret, the secret of all of it is the secret of owning things is to just own it. And the way that you own something these days when we talk about thought leadership is not even necessarily about you filing paperwork with the, the trademark and patent office, even though you can do that to protect the thing that you have. The real secret is for owning it is to keep talking about it. It's for you to talk about it and connect your name to that topic so often that anytime somebody brings it up, anytime somebody Googles it, or anytime somebody Googles you, that thing is gonna come up. It is connected to you because you've said it so much, you've published about it so much, you've written about it so much, and whenever people talk about it or you, then the other thing comes up. Now, anytime you bring up, you look up working your game, you're gonna see my name. You look up my name, you're gonna see working your game. You look up Rachel, you're going to see being relatable. You look up relatable, you're going to see Rachel. So that is how you get to own something is by the repetition and the persistence of talking about the thing that you're doing and then creating a process around it so that you can teach it and you can explain it. So someone asks you, well, what exactly does that mean? What is it about? How can someone you know, take these tools that you're talking about and how can they use them? And when I say being able to having that process, being able to teach and explain it, you need to be able to teach and explain it both in a short burst and a long burst, for example. So if someone just needs to hear you tell them in 10 seconds your you know, quote-unquote elevator pitch, be able to explain it in 10 seconds. But also have a, a three-minute version, a 10-minute version, and a two-hour version. That could be your keynote speech or your workshop. And the 10-minute version might be your introduction if you're you know, on somebody's podcast. A five-minute version might be a quick intro if you, know, you met somebody at a cocktail party. So be able to explain how your thing, that brand that you own, connects to what you're about in such a way that someone can understand it, but also be able to go in shorter period or longer period based on what the medium is and based on how much time you have and how much space you have. Write a book about it if you want to. Brand yourself with this idea and the idea brands with you. So now, this is a simple but not necessarily easy process is being that person who talks about that thing more and better than anybody else does. Because listen, you're, you may not be the only person who's talking about relatability or mental toughness or how to write a book or you know, how to put more effort in than anybody else or learning and focus or embracing your imperfections. 
You may not be the first nor the last to talk about it, but how do you own it is to keep talking about it and keep explaining it and become the source of information on that topic. Becoming the source means, I'll give you an example from back in my basketball playing days. You know, I started posting videos on this brand new website called YouTube back in 2005. There was no one putting basketball content online at that time. I put so much basketball content on there over the next five to eight years that anytime somebody looked up on YouTube basketball drills, you had no choice but to see my name. I became ubiquitous with putting basketball videos on YouTube that way more people knew me from that than knew me from actually playing professional basketball. Ironically, you do a lot of work to become a pro and everybody knows you from YouTube. But the thing is, because I was the only one talking about it. And then even when everyone else started doing it, I talked about it so much that my name was directly connected to it over and over and over again. Did I invent basketball? No. Was I the best? Eh, according to me, I was, but most people probably say no. But because I was doing it so often, everybody started to connect me to that thing that I was doing. That is how you own something is just being the most persistent, being the most consistent, and then being the source. So anything around that topic, someone looks it up, your name has to come up in the conversation. So you can create that and eliminate your competition just basically by overwhelming them by having the most material out there on it. Third point, we are talking again about building a brand around you. Third thing is one thing you always have to remember, and this is what Patricia and Rachel were talking about a lot in that interview they just did, was that you are a marketer. Now for all of the creators and all of the artists that are listening to this right now, I, I understand because I meet a lot of creators and I meet a lot of artists and I have a lot of creator and artists in me. But at the same time, you don't want to be the starving artist. You don't want to be the artist who has created all this material. And you have all this great stuff that people could get a lot of value from, yet people don't know about it simply because you haven't put on your marketer hat or you have not taken on the job of marketing what you're putting out there into the world. Marketing is the process of selling and promoting your products and building a relationship with your audience so that they know that you have what you have and also being willing to sell it, willing and able to sell it to the world. So being a marketer means, of course, you're going to own your topic, make sure the world and audience knows about it and putting it out there in such a way that you can make some money from it. Being willing to offer the exchange, say, look, this is what I'm offering. This is how much it costs and being willing to ask for that exchange. It, it sounds simple enough and trite enough but a lot of artists don't do this and understand that this is just as much your job as it is to create the products and services. Actually it's more of a job to do the marketing than it is to create the products and services. Being good is a good thing. All right. Understand working. I'm going to work on your game guys. So having game is absolutely imperative, necessary, but people knowing that you're good, people knowing that you have game is even better. And, and the, the entire, the, the big picture of the work on your game process, the second step, for anyone who works with me is you got to show your game. People have to actually know that you have it. Having it with you being the only person who knows about it is not going to help you and it's not going to help anyone else. So you have to flip your mentality from being a 100% full-time creator to also being a marketer, getting the word out about what you do. And there was this um, clothing designer by the name of Pierre Cardin, very famous guy, and he passed away earlier this year. But one of the things that he said, this quote that I, I read about him after he passed away, and there's a famous quote of his, he said, I was born an artiste, but I am a businessman. And this is what I want all creators and all artists to keep in mind. Yes, you are an artist. Yes, you are a creator. You have this message that means a lot to you. And 
resonates deeply with you and there's some experiences that you had in your life that have led you to where you are right now. But understand to be a business person means you have to be out there marketing and promoting your ideas, your content, your goods and your services. You have to be willing to sell it and make sure that you're making money from it because that not only helps you, of course, as you could put money in your pocket, you get to take care of your food, clothing, shelter, pay your bills and all of that. But also when you get your ideas and your uh, create creations out there into the world and into the hands of other people and they're willing to pay money for it or you get them to make that exchange, you're helping them as well. Because I don't know about any of the other creators in this room, but when I give somebody something for free versus when they pay for it, they get a lot more value when they pay for it. And why is that? Is it because all of a sudden, is it because necessarily the things that they pay for are worth more? No. It's because when somebody pays for something, they pay more attention. And the more somebody pays, the more attention they pay to the thing that they paid for. What I've found is that I've sold products from high ticket services up to $15,000, $20,000 and free plus shipping books for $9.95. Any complaints that I get, I never got a complaint from somebody who paid me $5,000 or more for a product. Never, ever. But I get plenty of complaints and nickel and diming and headaches from the non-dollar customers. And why is this? Is it because I'm only giving I'm giving crack products to the non-dollar customers? No. It's because the people who pay more pay more attention. And when someone makes that kind of investment in any type of product or service, they are so committed that they're going to make sure that they get the value out of it. Even if my products were mediocre, the person who pays five, ten thousand dollars is going to get more value out of it because they've already decided to subconsciously by making that investment in the first place. So reverse engineering this, it is your job as an artist to make sure that you are charging what your products and services are worth and make sure that you're willing to do the marketing and promotion so people understand that they're worth that because when they pay what it's actually worth, they will pay much more attention. They will extract much more value out of what you're offering and everybody wins. The customer wins because they're going to get full value out of what you offer. You win because you get paid what your products and services are worth and you can stop giving your game away for free. And hey, even the government wins because they get a cut by charging you in taxes. So this is a win-win-win situation when you make sure that you are being a marketer, you are being a salesperson, and you are honoring your art and you are honoring your business by making sure you are getting full return on investment from what you are offering out there into the world. So do not allow any of you artists out there, any of you who are artists or creators at heart, don't allow a customer or an audience member to guilt you into giving your stuff away for free because they're not willing to pay for it or they don't see the value in it or they're hoping they can leverage you into not wanting to get full value out of what you're offering. This is part of your brand is that your brand is worth what it's worth. And if you look around at the people with the strongest brands out there, the people whose brands you most respect, just in your world, who you pay attention to, they're people who are willing to charge for what they're offering. And they have the, the posture that their stuff is worth what it's worth. And because they believe it, you believe it. Hey, even if you never bought anything from them, even if they have something that you want, but maybe is a little bit uh, too rich for you right now, you respect it because they're willing to charge for it. But if they were giving that same thing away for free, you wouldn't see it as worth as much as you see it as worth right now. The fact that you can't pay for it just yet, you might be saving up for it or you might have it on your Christmas list, makes you respect it a lot more because that person is willing to pay for it and the value of it subconsciously goes up in your mind. And that works the same way for you and the things that you're going to sell. So this is part of your branding mix is being willing to charge for what you want and being willing to stand firm on it so that people respect what you're bringing to the table. This is all part of your branding mix.
So let me recap these three points here, and then Patricia, I'll pass it back to you if you or anyone else in the audience has a question. Building a brand around you. Number one, live your message. Number one people, number one thing people want from any brand or brand owner person is authenticity. People want to know that what you talk about, sell, or promote, you really are actually living it. Eat your own dog food. Be patient zero for what you put out into the world. Like the hair club from Men Guy said, I'm not only the president, but I am also a client. Number two, craft a signature subject, topic, or area of focus that you actually own. So Dre Baldwin is work on your game. Brene Brown is imperfections. Grant Cardone is 10x. Uh, Glenn Lundy is breakfast of champions. Have something that you own so that when someone mentions you, they have to mention that thing. And when someone mentions that thing, your name is going to come up. Even if they're just Googling it and never even heard of you before, they're going to hear of you because when they look up that thing, your name is going to come up. They can't ignore it. The secret way is to just talk about it over and over and over again so much that people have no choice but to connect you and that thing together because every time you or that thing comes up, is the same. The other one comes up. They bring up the thing, you come up, they bring up you, that thing comes up. And if you look around, you see the people that I mentioned, they're doing this all the time. It's basically all that they do. So write a book about it. Bring yourself with this idea. It's a simple but not necessarily easy process to just talk about it more than anyone else. And the third thing, remember that you are a marketer. Marketer, marketing is the process of selling and promoting your products and services and making sure that you are getting full return on investment and getting full value for what you bring to the table. This is just as much your job as it is creating your products and services. I know the creating part can be maybe a little bit more fun if you've never really focused on marketing or you have any hangups or you no know, subconscious blockages when it comes to money and charging for your services. If you have that, then you need to hire yourself and get over it because marketing is part of your job. We are talking about business here. Business is the exchange of resources between people. Usually that resource involves money. So showing your game to the world, making sure you're willing to charge for it because when you are willing to charge for what you want, even when people can't afford it, they will respect it that much more because they see that you're willing to charge for it and you're willing to stand on it. And look at the stuff that you like from other people. Even if you haven't bought it, you respect the fact that they're willing to charge for it. If they were giving it away for free, you would not respect it as much and you wouldn't see it as worth as much simply because they didn't see it as worth as much. Where your brand starts and the message that people get from your brand starts with what you say about your brand and how you feel about it. So when you're willing to stand on this is what it's worth and this is what it costs, they will respect that even if they can't afford it because they see that you're worth it and that is how you raise your value. The level of your value of your brand starts with how you feel about you. It has nothing to do with what anybody else has to say and what anybody else does say is all based on what you say and i'll close it with the quote again from pierre cardin he said i was born an artiste but i am a businessman so i'll pass it back to you patricia if you have any uh questions follow up or if anyone else has a question or comments i love it so much because i think it all goes back to is having confidence in your brand because if you don't have confidence in yourself or what you're selling then why would anyone else have confidence in your product or services? And the other thing that I really love that you mentioned was taking ownership and having kind of that signature thing that you're known for. Um, when I'm working with people, what I say is if you name and claim it, so if you have a methodology, if you have a framework, you have a special way of doing something or what you want to be known for, is you have to be the one that names and claims it first it's a very few people that have gotten along with somebody else giving them a name, a name that they would want. 
and be branded in that way. So you have to take ownership over what you want to be known for as well. And, you know, like I said, Dre and I've been running marketing and publishing rooms now since January. And there is that hesitancy for people of not wanting to do the marketing work. They want to stay in the creative zone, uh, which only works for very few people. And often it ends up forcing your creativity to become a hobby because it's not sustainable. And you're really not able to create an impact or do service to people if you don't make people aware that what you have exists. So I think it's such an important conversation, not just for books. I know that this the topic of this room is around books, but branding in general, just that foundational information that all of us as either business people, entrepreneurs, or just you know people that are trying to create an impact and leave an impression on others. So Dre, I love this conversation. If anybody has a question, we have time to take a couple of questions before we wrap up. Just flash your mic or just kind of jump in as well. It's happened before, Patricia. I think this is so perfect that nobody has a question. I have a, <laughs> there were I have a comment. No gaps. Hi, Dre. Hey. Hi, my name is Laura and I am a fashion designer. So I am one of those people that is in the creative zone and just more focused on the product than anything else. But I'm on a mission to learn everything I can about marketing and selling and all of that. Um, and it's really like a mind shift, a major one that you have to make in order to get out of the creative head and get into the business head. So um, this came at a really timely, uh, in a really timely way for me. I really, really appreciated everything you said. And it was extremely useful to me. So thank you. You're welcome, Laura. I appreciate you sharing that comment. And it is definitely a big mindset shift. It's, the skill of marketing is not really that difficult. Honestly, it's not. I think it's just so many of us, again, when you're a creator or an artist at heart, we get so connected to the creation side that we don't think about the marketing and sales side. But then when you realize that it's definitely part of your job, and once you really get it into your mind, it's not as hard as it looks from the outside looking in. So once you get in, that into your mind, or just like Patricia said, you won't be able to sustain doing it full time if you don't have that marketing mindset. So it is definitely very important. So I'm glad you got that. And it is such a mind shift change because, you know, I always consider myself an author before I started working with other people. And if you would have told me several years ago that tomorrow I would be spending from tomorrow until 10 p.m. on Saturday night attending Funnel Hackers Live, I would have told you you were crazy. And it's not about building funnels. It's about sales, right? Sales copy, writing, communicating your offer, communicating the value you have to other people. Just like a few weeks ago, I spent, I think, 18 hours with Elijah Bowie talking about um, sales and how to get you know those creatives out into the world and out into the right hands. And so it's an investment. It doesn't come naturally to most people. It's not restricted to just social media, but the fact that you're in the room, this room right now is the best start because being on Clubhouse is a very unique opportunity to build two, actually more than two platforms at the exact same time. If you have, if you open rooms, if you say something interesting, most people will follow you here. They'll go over to Instagram and follow you there. 
but also the partnership opportunities and the people that are sitting to the right and the left of you and you know above and below are also connection points as well. So I encourage people to really take advantage of the time that they're spending in these rooms, not just learning, but also developing and connecting and creating relationships. But believe it or not, we are at the end of the day. We started 12 hours ago. And if you enjoyed learning in this room today, just imagine how amazing it would be to join Glenn and so many of his friends. I will be there in Lexington, Kentucky, November 5th through 7th for the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference. Glenn will be celebrating his 1,000th episode of Hashtag Rise and Grind, and the event will also feature so many of your favorite Breakfast of Champions speakers. It's spearheaded by Tamara, who is also running the Hashtag 67 Day Challenge. And it's not too late to sign up for that. You can just head over to breakfastwithchampions.live where you can sign up for the 67-day challenge. You can also get information on the event. And if you have enjoyed this segment or feel like you missed a segment that you wish you would have heard, you can go and download the podcast and catch up with anything that you missed. But I appreciate everyone for being here today for joining us on this discussion. And we are gonna go ahead and close out the room so that we can all meet up here bright and early tomorrow at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you everybody and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you wanna catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday, six to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.